Hi, I'm Ryan Lim, your host to the QED Changemaker Series podcast. Here, we have conversations with senior executives and business leaders about their visions, ambitions, and concerns for the largest and most challenging issues facing our industry today. For each episode, we'll be discussing different topics with these thought leaders, decision makers, and most importantly, change makers. Combined, these are the captains of our industry who will be shaping our future. This is part two of the event roundup for the QED Changemaker series held on 29th May 2020. Let's jump back in and hear what other insights we've got for Business Unusual, the new norm now and beyond COVID-19. Many of you have shot bits and pieces of this uh, earlier that we talk about the organizational level. There are also significant shifts that are starting to happen. The need for social interaction, new, new policies to support those uh, major landscape that we do not necessarily need a physical office anymore. And there are certain benefits and also maybe downside to actually having to do all these things as well. Maybe we can start off with anyone being able to share a little bit about what they've heard about the organizational layer, the impact within those teams that they are managing at, at this stage. So I'll, I'll break it into two. I'll break it into what at least I and BCG in general is trying to kind of preach. And then I'll tell you some of the things that the group said. So from a personal perspective, what we've been trying to do in order of priority, which is kind of interesting, is the first thing organizations are doing is making sure they're taking care of the employees, right? And it's the first time there that argument between customer comes first or employees come first is being resolved very clearly at least that the employees come first because their safety and their well-being is much higher so there's no confrontation on the fact that you know hey should we take care of customers first or should we take care of employees first i think everybody in the team said you know it's employees first i think the second thing is the customers because i think in this time if you stand by your customers and especially i coming from banking industry if you are there for your customers when there is a delay in payment or they need a loan and things of that nature, I think it's going to be very important. We had somebody in the tourism space on my stuff who also echoed the fact that, you know, customers are important because when things get to normal, it's those customers who've trusted you and who you've remained by them would be the first people who will take a chance with you. The third thing, so customers came, employees came first, customers came second. The third thing was the suppliers. And we felt the suppliers and we had, again, as I said, we had somebody from the transportation industry, we had somebody from the hotel industry, in this case SDB, kind of come out very clearly and said, look, our suppliers are our life and blood. And at this point in time, they are struggling. And to be able to make sure that we are there for our suppliers so that they are there for us in the future becomes a third critical priority, whether that's delay in their payments, whether it's bonding with them, whether it's to your point, as you said, just, um, you know, like your example of candles where you may not need some stuff from them, but you still go out and help them during this tough time by buying things and, and ensuring that they are there in the partnership became the third topic. The fourth topic that I did bring up is the capital or cash preservation. And I think that became a very big topic, that especially in the industries that are very cash heavy industries, how to preserve cash became a very big topic of discussion. But the fifth one, which I think two or three of them brought together, which was that we are spending so much time on today and we are spending so much time on what we don't know the future is that we are spending actually no time on the future. And as a result of which, what's happening is we are forgetting the fact that there is going to be a new world and is this the time to look at a market share, to strengthen some of our strategies, to force upon digitization, 
and really start thinking a core team has to think about the future because everybody cannot be managing tomorrow and i think those are the five things that sort of how i summarized and then sort of people like coded on Oh, fantastic, Sandeep. In fact, I think that was one of those philosophies that was actually made famous to some extent by Jack Ma as well, right? He put, I think, his employees first, if I'm correct, which is most of the time in most the, the Western philosophy for businesses, shareholders first. He seems to be quite prophetic if that's the case from the way he's looking at, well, you know, employees need to come first. You take care of them, they'll take care of the customers. The customers will then eventually help out with the shareholders. And I think he sort of inverted the entire hierarchy. And uh, he sounds a little bit prophetic right now based on what you share. Uh, James? Well, I just wanted to refer to, to what Sandeep had just said about looking to the future. And I think, you know, for many organizations, it takes time to say, reach that headspace, looking to the future. I think first and foremost, many are just wanting to survive. And once they've got past that point where they feel that, okay, we're in a position to survive, um, then it's about building resilience into the business. But then only then, I think that you can look up and, and sort of look to the future and plan um, accordingly, at least before the next crisis falls from the sky and, and crushes all our plans again. But, you know, I think that that's the approach that, that many organisations are taking and, and different organisations are at different points of that, that process. Some comments again from my group. I thought there were some interesting comments there, and I agree a lot with what Sandeep has said. I think companies are still trying to wrestle with how do you change uh, the whole work culture so that you do look after the employees, of course, uh, and also the customers. So, so one of the uh, concerns is that you work too long. You can't tell the difference between daytime and nighttime, vacation and, and work, right? There's timeless time. There's no time for time, right? It's just uh, one whole blur. So how do you take care of the eight-hour day, right? Given this fact that the person in front of the laptop for eight hours at the go, how do you manage that? So even something basic like your eight-hour day, we need to think about how this is going to shift. And someone said that they had interesting, uh, I'm not sure the experiment, or they're, doing, they're actually doing it. I'm not sure an experiment is ongoing now. They have a no video call day. So like you know, on Friday, there's a no video call day. It's a great idea, a great idea, no video calling. In fact, for universities, they have some places where they have no emails day, which is great, right? No email for the whole day, that's fantastic. So, I mean, you need to think of some kind of creative ways to manage some of these uh, major changes. There's been so many constraints suddenly put, like it's like one iron block falling on everyone. People are being challenged to become much more creative and innovative in the way they're surviving and finding solutions right so one one solution was they knew they had to pivot digital they created i can't i wouldn't share the specifics but they created they offered up their assets fundamental assets which is my other point and said okay we'll give away 50 slots for 50 dollars online and it was all sold within 12 hours something that they would never have imagined in the pre-covid world of doing anything like this right organizations are actually building creativity and innovation among individuals while working from home and figuring out as teams to find solutions because of the constraints this has put. And I think it's going to be critical for leaders to keep fueling that. 
the easiest thing to do is say no right i think deep down saying no is one of the easiest things everybody has gotten used to so that's one and then the other thing is they're becoming better and better at identifying and leveraging what are truly their latent assets because i think what's visible in business as usual is is things that are well oiled and have been running for years if not decades i think this is forcing people to say what is it that is truly our assets that we can actually use to either deepen relationships or to create new business streams and so those were a couple of the organizational themes that came up Yeah, I echo the point that Shiv made about creativity. Although in my group that came up more in the vein of adaptability, given that a lot of organizations rely very much on structure and how that structure is meant to guide the roles, responsibilities and actions. The point was made that at a time like this, a structure that's too rigid actually cracks faster and more noticeably when attacked by this the hemoth of a pandemic that has landed upon all of us and so i think one thing that emerged was that structure has its limitations and at times like these the role of leadership is to build the ability to have enough trust in your people and for the people to have enough trust in the leadership to then facilitate the kind of adaptability that is going to sustain uh, resilient businesses past the covid-19 period as well and in the area of sales this came up a lot knowing that it's not just the sales people themselves who are reliant on face to face interactions but also the customers who often anticipate a certain amount of interpersonal connection and and that quote unquote personal touch uh, from a sales interaction so they've then had to find ways and you can't prescribe ways of driving interpersonal connection digitally it has to be fairly unique to the person what may work for me may not work for you and your customer so that element of needing to trust extends beyond trusting that people are getting their jobs done putting in the right amount of hours and getting the output but also trusting them to solutionize and to deviate from the playbook um in the here and now if it is what is best for the work stream the business and the organization mine is just adelon you know very aligned to what everyone else has said i think what's interesting is basically that there is a lot more focus on i don't know whether that's the politically correct term to use but the lowest paid workers in the company it's not that they didn't care and now they are just caring a lot more and recognizing that much greater level of importance that these people play especially in you know this current time and then the other one also i think is that employees used to be very much based on driven or driven by incentives but what has changed now is that there's going to be a lot more focus on mental issues you know taking care of the mental health of the employees i think you know someone mentioned earlier that you know a large part of the work has been proven that it can be done online and that can continue but the greatest concern is really about social inclusion in terms of that human connection and that engagement you know and that's where they feel that going forward what's going to change a lot is social policies you know having to take a good hard look at that because a lot of cracks have actually emerged from this pandemic and to quote someone is that you know never waste a good crisis right to really take a good hard look and examine and change and to be agile in terms of what needs to be done better 
I also like add on to that as well from my group as well because some of the interesting thing they have these three P's that's going on that they're starting to worry about. One is the physical adaptation that's required because you're now not working in the physical environment which is you're familiar with is completely different. So there's a lot of focus on that physical aspect of it. I think that's where the future of the workplace, not just the work itself, is also a major concern. The other element that is actually unfocused is actually psychological because a lot of parts is actually very functional at this stage because that's existential but the other one for the long haul we need to also worry about the psychological part of the teams how are they dealing with this massive rapid intense stress change because change comes with a lot of stress and high intensity and then this is where they come from and a lot of high levels of uncertainty that's been happening so not only for their safety and well-being but also for the adaptation that's required to adopt new skills quickly so that they can actually be a productive member of the team and the other part is the other piece the last one is actually on policies where there's a lot of revamp that's required that will need to be focused on learning well-being and of course leadership because that's where they're going to steer them out of the change so that's one area that i wanted to add on to what cindy has mentioned because my group also raised this particular thing the other point that was raised was interestingly enough is something called joyful workplace so this is a very interesting term where we are not just say productive workplace, which is the usual mantra that we talk about. This one talks about joyful workplace. So a happy workforce is probably a very productive workforce at the same time. So I think we're just adding, it's not something new, but it's something to be refocused on. If you look at some of the pantries of some of the digital companies, they are all to die for free food and stuff and massages and all that. We may not be able to come do the same thing again, but definitely the well-being and happy workforce in terms of the design and experience in the organization is probably going to become more prominent. And the last point that was made about organizational change, adapting to this new norm and beyond, is how sustainable are some of these efforts that we're putting in it? Is it going to be just ad hoc for the transient period to ride out this pandemic? Or all these changes, is it something that we're also putting into consideration? Are we allowing them to have a much more, like a run, run it like a marathon rather than run it like a sprint? It seems to feel more like a sprint at this stage, but we're not sure how sustainable all these things are going to be in place. So for this digital adoption, so it's not just immediate, but also in the future, I think some of the organizations that is in my room already started thinking about, we are in the crisis, but we should also start thinking about peacetime. What happens when we transit into that? So that thinking needs to start now. And I think that was a main point that was raised in my group as well. Yeah, no, to the earlier point that I think Cindy made, there was that theme of protecting the vulnerable that was coming out either at an organizational level or at a personal level. So examples of that was even though a lot of people are working from home, there are some people who are forced to be working on the front line because of the nature of their jobs. And it's causing a different set of issues. They are feeling like it's unfair for me while most of my colleagues are actually working from the comfort of the home, I'm being forced to be exposed on the front line, right? And this is outside of healthcare, so non-critical essential service business. Then there's the gig economy. So there's, from an industry point of view, there's so many industries where the gig economy, like of course in e-commerce and home delivery, I think there's no hurt happening, but there are other industries where a lot of work was dependent on gig and freelancers and they're getting really badly hurt right now because stuff has shut down and the instinct kicks in both at an organizational and personal level how do i protect them because they are the more vulnerable i at least have a job and i have the comfort of working from home kind of reaction right and then that got extended into protecting the needy who are financially not as well off protecting seniors who are at the high risk 
and then of course protecting jobs because all this is good now with some support but you know if this extends or i don't know what's going to happen in the future how do i actually protect the survival of my company and hence the jobs i guess we've sort of skirted around this a little bit but it's just the need to be careful of burnout um people are working longer than usual now that they're working from home and i think it's just something that and i'm seeing this myself i have a real concern that that there's individuals within my organization that are at risk of burnout and i do feel that with the current situation the prospect of burnout is a little bit higher than usual and um that that's something that i've personally experienced myself as well but one other thing in relation to that is being very careful about when people do have time off when they are taking leave you do respect their time even more so than when we're normally working all together in an office people in the current environment really do need time to decompress and so when they are on leave giving them that space where you're not contacting them where you're not sort of emailing or expecting a response is something that I think is a really good lesson and and something that I I picked up. In fact, I think for this to work, we need to have two major characteristics. I think one of them is you need to have a high level of trust within the teams that we are able to without having to see you in action that everyone is going to deliver against a particular set of either deliverables or at least an outcome. The other thing that needs to exist I guess is also like you earlier mentioned is that we need to have a certain discipline in terms of our time structures that you need to take breaks you need to walk take a walk you need to be able to exercise and it's a new discipline because most of us the discipline comes quite automatically because we are forced to go to work and we are forced to dress up and we are forced to do certain things we are forced to have lunch time because no one works there there's a bit of a easier way to handle this but now that we don't have it it's all a big huge mush I think that's where the challenge starts to rise and it's going to be quite problematic. I think I think in our team we actually never got to a very depth of personal where we got to was that the barriers between work and family life is just getting commingled just because there is no transition right and so everybody talked about like for example I said as my example right my younger one is in school online here my older one is in school online in the US but based here so i have a like a house and a kitchen that runs 24 by 7 one wakes up at 6 pm to start breakfast and the other one is looking for dinner and then my wife and i have to make sure the meals are there because his last class ended i think at 6 am this morning and he went to bed at about 8:30 or 9 o'clock when we were starting this call and he said good night to me and it took me a second going wait right so i think that's my personal story but i think there were a lot of people who are being able to say that there is this separation of duty that was happening that doesn't seem to happen one person brought an interesting point that look yes we now even though we may have a support system at home or help at home when the ki- young kids know that the parents are home the support system doesn't work right because they want the parents they don't want the maid the help the whatever else they care of it so the that level of in whether you call it intrusion or the level of crossing over is pretty extensive and i think the question really was that is that something that also needs to be revisited because you know bosses are not going to turn around and say yeah it's okay for your little you know child to come in the screen and say mommy this and daddy that so that's that really was the broad theme 
This wasn't so much an act of active sharing, but towards the end of our discussion, a few of the participants did confess that, oh, I'm actually multitasking right now. I'm adding you all on LinkedIn. I've got so many WhatsApp things running in the background while we are here. And I think this is an undeniable element of the new reality. We are all multitasking and there's no shame about it. There's no reason to try and hide it. The overlap of professional and personal life is just one aspect of it. But at the same time, if this were an actual conference held in an actual venue, I have no doubt that we have fewer attendees, but attendees who would be a little less distracted perhaps than they were. So it's not a value judgment, you know, I'm not at all implying that the multitasking is a bad thing, but it is a facet of how senior leaders are functioning more than ever before. They are pulled in many different directions and now there's no escaping from the children, there's no escaping from the instant messengers. You, you can't really mute your phone while you're on another call with someone else, it just doesn't work that way. And, and so I think mitigating against, you know, as you rightly called out, Zoom fatigue is one thing, but also I think mitigating the effects on how the workforce is able to properly be present and to attend to and to concentrate on one matter at a time, it, it's going to be a new challenge moving into the new reality. I'm just going to share what I shared with the team in terms of what is my favorite quote and I, it's a philosophy I live by which is if you're waiting for the storm to pass probably that's a mistake. I think we just have to learn to dance in the rain and I think that sort of sums up uh, at least philosophically what at an individual level uh, I have felt and I think some of my friends have been feeling it's like just learn rather than wait for the storm to pass learn to dance in the rain. I heard like some pretty positive stuff in my group on the personal views. I really like what someone said that, you know, this was the time where um, he was getting connected to what really matters, where he started taking this opportunity to start getting connected with old friends or old colleagues, people he never even thought of for years. And uh, it was an opportunity actually to, I mean, yes, I'm sure there are challenges, but everyone put it in a very positive way that you see your family every day. You actually get to know them better, you know, rather than the morning and night sort of thing where you probably see them at their best behavior. So it felt more meaningful during this time when you see it that way. And someone else also mentioned that it was a great time to declutter. I mean, you go home every day, you see that clutter, but there's the inertia, right? Like how you're faced with it 24 hours a day, you know? So yeah, I thought that was very positive sharing from my group. My group, this was a hardcore hour people. They had it on themselves, so I have very little by way of that sort of personal issues. The one was that we are, we are social creatures, so the people who are missing your outdoor activity, your socialising, grandchildren, whole social element. Yeah, so some uh, wistful thoughts about how you can bring it back, whether you can have a virtual, you know, picture, you know, your, your Star Wars model. You take a, a picture, then you have children playing right in front of you while you are there, sort of thing, you know thoughts about how you might bring it back. Yeah. So uh, missing that social uh, interaction, social. From my group, surprisingly, there was a new phrase that was actually being used. One of them was called the mastering of virtual leadership, where you actually have to be able to function like as an effective leader via all the virtual tools that they have rather than being face-to-face -face in person. I think that's slight adaptations as to what that requires of them because uh, to be able to instill confidence when everybody is on mute and not able to see everyone's faces at one go is going to be a bit of a challenge. But the other part that then, then came up as a result is also the leadership's ability. I think a lot of reflection was going on of how do we then express empathy 
So I think the empathetic leadership is one of those key things that was actually being raised in the group as well, where they find that they, they realize gaps in terms of where they are, how much more of that they are able to offer to their teams. And I think that's a major focus uh, on in that particular area. And I think the last of this whole lot is actually talking about being able to lead through ambiguity as well as lead with empathy at the same time. I think that were the two major themes that was actually being raised. So on a personal level, I think there's a lot of focus on what truly matters to the individual. And it's like a refocusing of the priorities, if you will. And I think that's a key element of the personal impact that we're seeing with this pandemic. And I think it's, we're, not, we're so rushed most of the time. It's great that we find that are, uh, the leaders are also starting to do a lot more self-reflection that can then focus on what really matters and also to reprioritize some of the key important things. I think that's where a lot of the conversation will start to happen, which how do we go through that consideration process so we know exactly what's truly important to us and not only what, but who is truly important to us as well. And I think that's one of those key areas uh, that the group has raised. Thank you for listening to our QED Changemaker Series podcast. We hope that you have learned something valuable with us today. Don't forget to follow our podcast and be updated on our latest episodes. For more information on QED's leadership development solutions, email us at info at qed.sg. I'm your host, Ryan Lim, and I look forward to having you in our next episode. Thank you.